Welcome back, friends. How are you this morning? Yeah, it's so good to see so many of you. And for those of you joining us online, welcome. Can we all just join together and welcome everyone who's online with us still this morning? You know, it can be hard when you're not able to be a part of a gathering because you're in high risk or you're caring for someone in high risk. And so we are still just so glad that you're with us online. Now, today... We continue our series, How We Got Here. It's simply a look at the earliest book, Genesis, the book of beginnings. And in this book, we are answering the question, how do we get here? You know, after all, we look around, we ask big, big questions about our current climate, and we wonder what brought us from then to now. And as we've said over the past few weeks, Genesis is the story of how we got here. It begins, Genesis chapter 1, with a God who makes everything. Genesis 2, God makes man and woman in his image. Chapter 3, we wreck it all. It's like the kid who's given the keys to daddy's car because he just turned 16. He goes out, first thing he does is he flies it off a cliff. That is Genesis chapter 3. We rode creation off a cliff. And now, Genesis chapter 4 is a story of what happens next. Now, this is a story that we're going to look at, and the fact is, most of you have never heard a sermon preached on Genesis 4. And here's why. Are you ready? It's weird. It's just weird. We don't know what to do with it. But I believe it is the answer to one of the biggest questions that so many of us are facing today, and is a question relating to division. After all, you look around, and there's a lot of division in our world. Can I get an oh yeah? And it's not just in the culture, is it? Thank you, Gordon. Oh yeah, man. It's not just in the culture either. It's also within the church. In fact, you say, well, wait a minute. I don't think there's division in the church. Oh, (laughs) have you ever had someone say, I like the old songs and someone else says, I like the new songs. Is there division in the church? But let's not get too detailed here. Let's go with more of the silly side. Prove this with me. I'm going to show you a series of images. And and if you agree with one, raise your hand. If you agree with the other, raise your hand. You ready? Let's try the first one. I'll prompt you. How about this? How many of you would say that if you were to drink a soda, you'd go with a Coke? Ooh. How many of you would say Pepsi? (laughs) We're still glad you're at church. That's good. Okay. A little bit of a division there. What about this one? Morning people, raise your hand. Anyone in here? Oh, the sun comes up and you're like, ah, hello world. A little bird comes and sits on your finger. Animals make your bed a la Cinderella. How many of you would say, though, that the day does not begin until the sun sets? You are night owls. Oh, yeah. You may not get much done, but you sure have a lot of fun getting nothing done, right? A little division. What about this next one? You're going on a beach trip or a mountain trip. How many of you, vacation time, want to go to the beach? You hear the waves. Birds. Children. Jellyfish. The beach. Then others of us say, no, 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 no. I'm not all about the sticky, salty sand. I'm for the mountains. How many of you would say, let's get some fresh air, go to the mountains? Yeah, you've got a division there. Or how about this one? I know this one becomes a religion all unto itself. Let me see the Mac people in here. Apple products. Woot, woot. <laughs> you guys are booing at church? Wow. 
I should have put up some plexiglass up here. Forget the debates. Man, what about my Windows PC, PC folk? Anyone? Yeah? Yeah? How many of you would say, well, I own some Apple and some PC products? Anyone? How many of you say, I don't really care? How many of you say, I don't even know how to turn on any of those things? Divisions. Well, let, let, now, now, if this is a religion, let's go to the real religion. Are you ready? I'm sorry, is this getting a little too close to home for some? Let, let's start here. Tennessee, anyone? Okay. Go Vols. What about Alabama? Anyone in here? Alabama? Dear Lord, we now pray for the souls. No, I mean, this is what happens, right? Now, how many of you would say, no, it's not Tennessee? It's not Alabama. It's, I don't care. Can I get an oh yeah? And some of you say, no, no, I don't care about them, but I care about some other team. Here's my point. We live in a world full of division. And oh yeah, there's all sorts of silly ones we can point to, but then there are some significant ones that are dividing not only the nation, but our very homes. How do we get here? And maybe this is the question we'll look at this morning. What drives our division? What drives it? See, sometimes we will look for solutions and we wonder why things are not getting better. And the reason is the solution is not actually addressing the core problem. The core problem is found actually in Genesis chapter 3 and 4. Chapter 3, man and woman, we sin, we rebel against God, we say, no thanks, I don't want the creator, I want something that is created. And that begins the division process. But in a moment, we're going to see the continued results from one of the weirdest stories in the Bible. Look at this passage now, beginning in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. It says this, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks. He was a shepherd, and Cain worked the soil, meaning he was a farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering? He did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was down Cast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? In the Hebrew, this is actually the idea of if your face is downcast, do what's right and your face will be lifted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, Cain said to his brother, and this is the moment where we all, if you're reading this for the first time, you're saying, what will he do? What will he choose? Which direction will he go? There are now two paths before him, and Cain is now processing what will he do, and we get the answer. He says to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. Can you imagine this moment as Abel? Yeah, let's go, bro. I wonder if Abel looked up to his big brother. I wonder if... He went out into the fields many times with his older brother as he was a young little boy following and watching his older brother till the soil and produce these wonderful vegetables and fruit. I wonder what he must have been thinking then when his brother Cain picked up a stone and killed him. While they were out in the field, 
Cain attacked his brother and killed him. Some of the saddest words in all of scripture. You say, how did we get here with division? This is a picture of where division comes from. Now you need to hear this. This story tells us where division comes from. It tells us the results of division. And then at the end, hang with me long enough, I'm going to show you the way back. Because it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But we got to get through the bad stuff first. Can you hang with me for the next few minutes? Give me an oh yeah if you're there. Okay, here we go. I want you to see there's three things happening. Number one, you see a division or a divided heart. Then you see a divided home because the divided heart leads to divided home. What we do internally spills over externally into the lives of others. A divided heart leads to a divided home, which ultimately will lead to a divided world. That's the three movements we're going to see here. It begins with a divided heart. You see, this is a story of two brothers bringing an offering to God. And at first, it seems like they're just jealous. Cain, Abel, who has the better offering? Like two little children coming up to their parents saying, I made this for you. Cain, however, does not receive a favorable message from God. Rather, God looks at favor on Abel, but he looks unfavorably on Cain's offering. Notice what it says here. He says that he looked on his offering and didn't regard it well. No favor. Now, when I hear this, I think, well, no, what's the big deal? Is it that God simply is a meat eater? It's like Abel says, Lord, I'm offering you a steak. And Cain says, God, I'm going to give you tofu. After all, who would be more pleased? But that's not the issue at all. The issue is not the offering. The issue is the person giving the offering. After all, notice it says Cain and his offering. These are two separate things. God looked at the offering, but ultimately he looked at the one giving the gift. See, in Leviticus chapter 2, God actually says, give me grain, give me fruit. It's not the offering that's the issue. The issue is the one giving the offering. You say, well, what's the problem with the man? What's, what's going on? The Lord is looking beyond the gift, and he's looking at the heart. You say, how do we know that? Well, look at the next verses. This actually happens beforehand. We're told that Cain gave some of the fruit while his brother Abel gave fat portions, the best parts, and the firstborn, not the leftovers, but Cain goes, and you get the sense from the Hebrew that he just goes out and he's like, well, I don't really like pears. Okay, I'll get some pears. Let's see. Zucchini. Oh, who likes zucchini? God, my gift. That's the picture. One gives the best, the other gives less than his best. Now, it's not that God is saying, well, your quality is greater, I like this. Rather, it reveals the heart. In the ancient world, stay with me now, in the ancient world, people would offer gifts to the gods or to a god for one of two reasons. You would either give a gift to the gods or to a god out of gratitude to give thanks or as a bargaining chip to get something. And often the way you knew if it was to give thanks or to get something was in the quality of the gift. After all, if you need insurance, life insurance, home insurance, you don't go and find the most expensive policy out there. After all, we're in it to get more from our policy than we give. Can I get a cha-ching from anyone? We want something for it, so we give only what is necessary for the insurance. K 
Cain is only giving what is necessary to get something from God. God, here's just some stuff. Now bless me. Give me more of my crops. Give me more wealth. Give me more satisfaction. Help me in this relationship. Isn't it interesting that often we come to God not for what we can give out of relational love, but what we can get out of selfish greed. But Abel, he goes, man, God, you're so good. You're so good. I love this little lamb, but this is just the first. I have confidence that you are a good God who will see me through this season. I trust you. You've been so good. It's all yours. I give it back to you. And Cain's like, is that enough? And so the Lord says the issue, Cain, is not in the gift. The issue is with your heart. Notice this. Your heart drives your direction. What you love will lead you where you go. Cain loved what he had more than the one who gave it to him, so he did not want to let go of it. Church, here's a very important thing. Watch what you struggle with giving to the Lord. Pay attention to it because that may be the thing that you ultimately worship. God, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'll give you everything, but not my career. Lord, I love you. You are amazing. I give you everything except for my relationships. God, you are worthy of glory. I'll give you everything, but not my sexuality. Isn't it interesting the things we hold on to reveal what we actually love? And so God says, Cain, 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 you got you to back it up, bro. You need to slow down because something's going on right here. The issue is not the gift, but the divided heart. He says sin is like a wild animal preparing to get you when you open the door and you are walking to that door getting ready to pull it open. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It'll wreck everything because a divided heart doesn't stay with you, but it spills over to a divided home. And so Cain doesn't listen. And this is true of a lot of us. I know for me, it's, if I get upset with someone else, but they're a person of authority, you can't deal with them. So what do you do? You go and you take it out on someone else. It's the kick the dog syndrome. How many of you have ever heard that phrase? Kick the dog syndrome. Don't, don't actually kick a dog, but any of you? So your boss, you go to work and your boss chews you out for doing this or not doing that, for filing the report wrong or not getting it in on time. You can't fuss at your boss. The boss can fire you. So you go home and you take it out on Others, maybe it's your wife, your husband, your kids, maybe it's your pet. It is simply an extension of what's happening in the heart. And so Cain takes his brother, and instead of dealing with what the source problem is, he deals with it, and he deals with his brother. Now, here's where it goes off the rails. He kills his brother, and God approaches Cain. Because God loves Cain enough that he doesn't leave him where he is, but notice, God comes to Cain again and says, Cain... What have you done? Where is your brother? Now, interesting. This is almost the exact same question that God asked Adam when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and hid. He shows up and he says, Adam, where are you? And here he comes in love and he says to Cain, what have you done? Where's your brother? And Cain doesn't respond. Even here, God is saying, let's deal with the source problem. But Cain doesn't have anything to do with it. Instead, he lies. He follows the snake in what he does, and instead he lies. I don't know. And then he goes further. He says, am I my brother's keeper? This word keeper is the Hebrew word shamar. Everybody say shamar. It means to care, protect, 
or keep. This is the same word God uses in Genesis chapter 2 when he tells Adam to care for, to keep, to protect creation. And now he says to a gardener, to a farmer, to Cain, your job is to protect others. But Cain's like, wait, 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 I care for the ground, but I'm supposed to do the same for humans? Yeah. Folks, our job is to care for one another. Now, healthy boundaries are necessary. But he says, you see this upside down because what he loves is what he has and he won't give it to God. And so now he has elevated his stuff over other people. Have you seen this in our world? A divided heart leads to a divided home. And so God says there is a consequence to what has now happened. He says, Cain, you are now going to be cut off from the land, verse 12. Notice this next. He says, when you work, It's not going to give to you what you want. You're going to be frustrated by it. And you will be, he says, a wanderer on the earth. You're going to be cut off, separated. And Cain, he's just kind of, he's blown away by this. He's like, God, if I'm separated, if I'm sent away, someone will find me and want to kill me. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to protect you. There will be seven times consequences on someone who harms you or tries to harm you. And I'll give you the mark, something that everyone knows. Don't mess with Cain. Some people say, well, what is the mark of Cain? Uh, we, we don't know. There are all sorts of fanciful options. Some people say it was like a tattoo or a birthmark. You want to know my favorite one? I don't think this is it, but you want to know my favorite mark of Cain option? It's that God gave Cain a giant horn in the middle of his head. Is that great? I mean, absolutely no biblical basis for it, but I think it'd be kind of cool. But God says, whatever it is, I'm going to protect you, Cain. But there are consequences for your divided heart that's divided your home. And it's not going to stop with your home. It's going to continue. In fact, you're going to be a wanderer. And in verse 16, he says, you are going to go east. And he becomes a wanderer through the land of Nod, east of Eden. By the word, the word Nod means wanderer. He is not at a specific place. He is wandering in life. How many of us know that when you are divided in your heart, when you don't know where your allegiance lies, you end up wandering throughout? Maybe you wander from relationship to relationship to relationship looking for a new home. Maybe you wander from a job to another job to another job looking for satisfaction that just never seems to be found. Maybe you look for significance in a relationship, not romantic, but just some status. And so you go from group to group or maybe whatever it is, so many people are right now in the land of Nod. Now, I can see that some of you are getting tired and you are beginning to draw into the land of Nod. So wake up. Here we go. Let's keep going. The heart, the home... And generations are the result of this. In fact, Cain continues the legacy that he began. He made love to his wife. Now, okay, let's just, let's just stop for a second here. Cain and Abel, first two brothers, according to Scripture, correct? Yeah? Okay. Where did she come from? Anyone else have that question when you read Scripture? Well, I'm not going to answer that question here. We're going to do a live panel in a few weeks where we're going to answer a bunch of these questions. And if you have any questions on Genesis 1 through 11, you let us know. We will try to tackle it. Is that enough of a teaser? All right, so we're going to get back to that. But he has a child by his wife, wherever she came from. We'll deal with that later. She has, he has a child, and he names him Enoch. Now, interestingly enough, this wanderer begins to build a city and he names the child after his son, Enoch. You almost get hints of his homesickness, don't you? It's like, I'm a wanderer, but maybe I can make a place of permanence in this area. 
As one author put it, though, even building the city was an act of rebellion to God, for he's attempting to create a place of permanence away from God. So he names this place after his little boy. The idea is, well, this can be home for me. But it's so curious that even though he tries to build a temporary home, it is not even fulfilling the need of his heart. Do you notice Cain was then building a city, the Hebrew stronger. It gives a sense that Cain never finished building the city. It was always an unfinished project. It was never good enough. It never was complete. How many of us know that with this divided heart, there's nothing you can do that completes your life. There's always something lacking, something missing, something more, and it doesn't fulfill. It's as though you and I have been made for a home, and this ain't it. That longing you feel, that's the call of your home that you've left in Eden and the one that if you are in Christ, you're being called back to in heaven. Friend, if you do not know Christ Jesus, that longing you have, the fact that you can try all these things but you hit a ceiling, that is the homesickness of heaven. That is the thing to woo you back to your father. This is the picture of what's happening. Nothing, nothing, nothing can satisfy the ache and the longing of Cain. But the generations roll on because a divided heart, unmended, a divided home, unmended often leads to a divided world. And so he has children who have children who have children who have children until you get to this man named Lamech. Everybody say Lamech. You got to say it like you mean it. Lamech. Lamech is the result of this divided heart and home because Lamech gets married, but he doesn't have one wife, but he has wives. Anyone want to say division? Mm-hmm. What was God's best and God's plan in Genesis 1.25 where he says, for this reason a man and a woman will leave, or a man will leave his father and mother and he will be united to his wife. Wife, singular, not wives. And yet, because of the divided heart, it leads to a much more divided home. But it goes more than that because now Lamech is about to sing a song. This is the second poetic song in scripture. The first was uttered by Adam to his wife. You remember the moment where Adam goes to sleep and when he wakes up, there is his beautiful bride, Eve. And he starts that song. At last, she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. It's this rapturous love song to this woman that he is seeing for the first time. So now, generations later, Lamech is about to sing to his wives. Are you ready to hear the love song of Lamech? Oh, it's just, it's just, it's tender. Listen to this. Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. You want to sing along? I mean, this is just a toe tapper, ain't it? He goes on. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. Do you notice a tone shift from Adam's rapturous love song to his wife and Lemek's self, look how good I am kind of song. Listen to me, hear my words. Wives of Lemek, I, me, me, Cain. Now it's Lemek. You notice it's all about me, the divided heart, divided home, divided world. In fact, curiously enough, the killing that Cain did now, Lemek says, I killed someone for merely wounding me. And not only will I be avenged if someone hurts me, 
But 77 times it is an unrestraining of the division that began in the heart of man. Do you see the process, family? This is where division comes from. Now, aren't you glad you came to Friends and Family Day today? Let's bow and pray. Aren't you glad this isn't where it ends, though? Here's the question. How do we go forward, everybody? How do we get to where God is calling us? Here's the answer. To go forward, you you actually have to go back. You have to go back. See, insanity, as one person said, is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. If you are seeing the world divided and broken, then doing the same is not going to lead to restoration, but more brokenness. Can I get an amen from anybody? So what we are called into is not to continue down this path of brokenness and divided heart holding on to, but rather it is to go back home. How do we do this? Notice in verse 25, it says that Adam lay with his wife Eve and she bore another son named Seth saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son and he named him Enosh. At that time, people began, say these words with me, to call on the name of the Lord. Do you see the beginning of something different? Cain, it was all about him. Lemek, it was absolutely all about himself. But at this point, there's a new script, a new direction, a new way is opened to us. Some said, it's all about me. Others said, I call on the name of the Lord. Centuries later, a man by the name of Paul picks up this thread and he writes in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a new script, a new path. Now, this is the point in the message where we often say, so let's go with God. But the fact is, some of us in this room, you say, I am too far from home. There's no way I can get back. It's like that moment where you're driving out at night. How many of you remember the days before GPS? Any of you more than 10 years old? (laughs) And you'd be out driving and you wouldn't have directions and you'd get to a place, you'd come to a dead end and you'd say, "Uh, this isn't where I thought I was supposed to be. So what do you do? You pull out your phone because after all, we've had those since roughly the mid-90s. So you pull out your phone and you go, oh no. You look and there's no signal. So what do you do? You get out of your car. You get on top of your car. What are you trying to do? You're trying to get signal to be able to connect so you can find your way home. Some of you this morning, you feel like you are so far that you are out in the woods that you're begging, you're going, I don't think I can get connection. There is no service. There's nothing I can do. I cannot get high enough to fix what I have broken. Here is the good news of the gospel. That God does not call you to come to him. Rather, in Jesus Christ, God came to us. That is the gospel message. 
and you see echoes of it even in this text. Here's a thing you must always ask when you read scripture. By the way, tomorrow night I'm teaching a class and for the next three weeks, if you want to be a part of it, just let me know, but a class on how to study the Bible to get the most out of it. One of the questions you always ask is where is God in the story? What is he up to? How is he interacting? And here's where we see God. Look at these verses. Then the Lord said to Cain, then the Lord said to Cain, Then the Lord said to Cain, do you see a repetition here? Then the Lord said to him over and over, it is God going to Cain. It is not Cain going to God. Friend, I don't know where you are this morning and you may feel lost. You may feel unsure of what to do. You may have so many wounds and from yourself and others, you go, I don't know how to get back home. Here's the good news. You don't have to get back to God because God is coming to you. And not only this, some of us are afraid of that very thought that God's coming. Oh, no. As soon as he gets here, it's going to be the disapproving parent. It's going to be the principal who's learned what I've done. It's the police officer who's pulled me over. It's the judge. It's this moment that I'm dreading because I've offended God. I've walked away. I can't get home. What do I do? But do you notice, friends, the name here, it does not say, then the God said, God, Elohim, just a powerful being. No, it says, Lord, Adonai, the Hebrews' intimate relational Name for God. See, God comes to you not as one to destroy you, but as one to reconcile you. His son took the blame. Jesus died on your behalf. He rose on the third day and he offers to all of us life for the death that we have chosen where we were divided. God through Jesus is reuniting us. What does it take to get back home is simply this. Call on the Lord. You say, what does that mean? It's very simple, friends. To call on the Lord is to simply confess with your mouth, I have sinned, I have broken the very heart of God. In my heart, I have been divided. I've had allegiances to things, not to the one who gave all things to me. I've been the one who maybe has caused problems in my home. I've created division in the world and the spheres around me. To call on the Lord is to confess and say, Lord, I have sinned. And then it is to Follow Jesus back home. And the way that we do that is through the waters of baptism. And there's nothing magical about the water, friends. There's nothing in there. We didn't get this from a holy river or some space that you need to go. This came from the tap. I know where that water came from. The water does not save you. It is Jesus Christ who does all the work. Amen? By the way, this means you don't save yourself. Jesus does the work. So what do you do? I'm watching my buddy Joe and Gordon right here, and Gordon's just hanging out with his dad being held by him. This is the image, family. You go, I can't do this, but your dad says, I got you. You call my name. I remember a few years ago, I was in the grocery store, and I saw this little kid. I, I, I couldn't have been more than about a year and a half years old. And had this massive pacifier in their mouth, just walking the, the aisles. And I was thinking, where is your parent, kid? And the kid seemed at that very moment to realize the exact same thing. And right then, the child went, Mama! Mama! And I heard this mom going, Baby! 
(laughs) And lumbering from three aisles over, this woman came racing, and she found her son. And before she could even get to him, his eyes brightened up. He opened his arms, dropped the passy, and she grabbed him. She picked him up. What happened? He just simply called out, and his parent came running. Your daddy God is not far off. He is near. He will hear you. He will return you to your home. How does the divided heart get changed? You call on the name of the Lord, and that's what we get to do today.